For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, Born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion. Born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. Song of the Grasshopper. I've built a grass hut where there's nothing of value. After eating, I relax and enjoy a nap. When it was completed, fresh weeds appeared. Now it's been lived in, covered by weeds. The person in the hut lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Places worldly people live, he doesn't live. Realms worldly people love, she doesn't love. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world. In ten feet square, an old man illumines forms in their nature. A Mahayana Bodhisattva trusts without doubt. The middling or lowly can't help wondering, will this hut perish or not? Perishable or not, the original master is present, not drilling south or north, east or west, firmly based in steadiness, it can't be surpassed. A shining window below the green pines, jade palaces of vermilion towers can't compare with it. Just sitting with head covered, all things are at rest. Thus, this mountain monk doesn't understand it all. Living here, he no longer works to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats, trying to entice guests? Turn around the light to shine within, then just return. The vast inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. Meet the ancestral teachers, be familiar with their instructions. Bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words, myriad interpretations are only to free you from obstructions. If you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from the skin bag here and now. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the song of the grass hut. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha. 
our first woman ancestor, great teacher, Maha Prajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher, Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher, Eihei Dogen, our first ancestor in America, great teacher, Shogako Shunryu, the perfect wisdom, Bodhisattva Manjushri, to the well-being of all those afflicted with ills and to peace pervading for all peoples of the world. Gratefully, we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Mahaprajna Paramita. When he is ready, Taigen will introduce tonight's speaker. So good evening, everyone. Uh, so maybe most of you know Sarah Lytle, our speaker tonight, but for those who don't, Sarah was one of our University of Chicago Divinity School interns at Ancient Dragon uh, for, um, uh, I guess, two semesters and uh, served very well. She also is now on our rotation for the Thursday night uh, Zazen and uh, discussion of Suzuki Roshi. Uh, so uh Please uh, come and join that when you can. Uh, 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 Sarah is now serving on the front lines uh, as a chaplain and working with other chaplains and uh, working with uh, families and and with some patients, uh, COVID patients in hospitals in the Chicago area. So uh, thank you uh, for all you do, Sarah, and thank you for coming and speaking tonight. Hi, everyone. Um, it's good. It's really good to be here um, and to see all of you. Um, thank you, Wade, for bringing that lovely fireplace. It feels very, <laughs> feels very cozy. Um, reminds me of that uh, TV channel that has the fireplace on it. Um, so um, what I've prepared today or... Uh, what I'd like to think together about today is what it means to live in or as with um, a body. Um, not sure which preposition there is best because uh, we aren't really anything but. Um, and uh, I also, you know, in the past... Um, you know, I would have said that I've been thinking a lot about what it means to live in a body, which is, um, feels strange to say and feels strange also now to be talking about it, uh, to be giving a talk at all. But um, I feel like I've always been very interested in embodiment um, while also really struggling with it a lot. And um, recently, uh, 
due to, I think, a whole constellation of experiences, I realized that that interest was very intellectual. Um, I thought I would only understand it if I had some more books that I could read about it. So over the past couple months, I've really kind of been exploring um, the layers of and the implications of um, embodiment. And I think a big part of that has been you know, the pandemic and the way that has changed so much um, of our experience of ourselves Um, from being on Zoom a lot more, you know, using uh, Zoom as part of our vocabulary, Um, not being around other bodies, not sitting together in the Zendo. You know, I think... um, you know, I know my, my cat's body and my partner's body and all their movements very well now because we spend so much time together. But I really kind of realized how much we, how much I kind of um, rely on physical presence um, to feel connected to other people. Also, um, our vulnerability as bodies. There's so much more fear about this virus um, getting us a lot of the language around um, coronavirus is very um, yeah, there's a lot to be afraid of and there's hypervigilance. I feel like I, especially at the beginning of the pandemic where I was still working, you know, I used to kind of, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this kind of that tickle in my throat, was suddenly something huge and there would go a cascade of, Oh no, am I sick? Have I just, you know, started to spread this dangerous disease? Um, And also the grief uh, that we're all holding. Um, All those big emotions that we hold in our bodies as we try to continue on and have a, have a life, um, they, they live with us, they stay with us. But also, um, there are some nice things about it. I wear soft clothes way more often now and have much less patience for anything uncomfortable. I've also, um, I got a car for my, for my job and I realized um, how much I missed singing which I never really could do on my commute on the train, but um, I haven't had a car since high school. And um, I just remembered how much I loved singing to pop songs on the radio. So there have been a lot of new ways that I've, um, you know, been experiencing myself and, um, and talking with other people, how they've been, you know, experiencing themselves. Um, And, Also, uh, recently, I started encountering a lot of pain uh, while I was sitting zazen. And I, and I don't, well, I don't know if I was actually experiencing more pain than usual, or just being um, extra kind of bothered by the normal discomfort that um, appears for us. And so I was really kind of um, yeah, troubled by the Sazen and 
by this experience in Zazen and started to come up with a lot of excuses um, not to sit, which I'm sure, I'm sure um, we've all encountered in one way or another. Um, so I started to return to doing some yoga to try to help. I used to do um, a lot of dance and yoga when I was growing up and have done it periodically ever since. But um, as I was doing yoga again, I became so surprised. I was so surprised that my body knew all these poses. I kind of had assumed that it had forgotten how to do these things. And as I started, you know, kind of gently moving my body, intentionally moving my body, um, I, you know, realized that uh, I wasn't being lazy about my zazen, but that I was afraid. Um, that in addition to knowing how to do yoga poses, my body knew a lot of other things and had a lot of other things to say to me. And I was afraid to sit and listen to what it was saying. Afraid to uh, be with my body without mediation. Afraid to encounter its discomfort, wisdom, its sadness, its hunger, its knowing. Um, And in Zazen, you really are nowhere but in your body. Um, This can be this can be really hard um, for a lot of people. Um, one of one of my um, experiences of suffering uh, as a human being has been um, living with and recovering from the illness of anorexia and really dealing with all of the ramifications that has had on my relationship with being just in my body and. I wasn't sure how to be with my discomfort and sit through the 35 minute period without it feeling very similar to the horrible skill I had learned in that illness, the course of that illness of ignoring my hunger. So it was really um, sort of upsetting and disorienting to kind of have so much fear. Um, But, you know, once I identified that fear um, and stopped thinking of myself as being lazy, um, it was a lot easier to more gently return to the cushion to maybe give myself some more pillows if I was feeling uncomfortable or um, maybe even lie down if I was really uncomfortable and just needed some help sitting And um, while I was having having all of these kind of thoughts and um, discoveries about all the things my body knows and all the things it wants to tell me, several uh, people um, who were giving Dharma talks on Monday nights had chosen the Song of the Grass Hut to chant before a Dharma talk. And um, I have always loved the skin bag line so much. Um, it always it always makes me smile inwardly. Like it feels sort of like 
funny and I think the like inner teenager loves how just real it is. Um, and as someone who has struggled a lot with being in a body, um, it just, it reminds me that it is just a skin bag and that that is profoundly, um, liberating in a way. But then as this chant, as we were doing this chant, um, I kind of paid attention to the full line a bit more than I usually do instead of just, you know, waiting for the skin bag line to drop. And the instruction is, if you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from this skin bag here and now. Don't separate. I think this is the, um, you know, a beautiful pith instruction for Zazen. Don't separate from ourselves, from our experience, from each other. So I just really, um, I love this line. And uh, the title of this talk um, is This Precious Skin Bag. And uh, in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, which is um, one that I also have some experience with, one hears the phrase often of this precious human birth. And the teaching is that being born in a human body is extraordinarily rare and precious that in a human body and in, in this human skin bag, um, we are capable of suffering, but we are also capable of insight, of practice and of awakening. I feel like I've been uh, over the past, you know, since January kind of really using a lot of um, phrases as sort of mantras and um, this is this is my new one for for this season of this new this new phase of uh, life of the pandemic and you know I really think that it is through our bodies through being with them through being with other people's bodies in sickness in um, death that we really see some of the most challenging and profound teachings of the Dharma. The story of, of the Buddha, of Siddhartha, of his awakening, of him coming out from him. I don't know if folks are familiar with this story, but in, in very brief, um, he was a prince who lived this very sheltered life of um, only seeing young, beautiful, vibrant, alive, healthy people. Um, and then one day he went outside the palace walls and he had um, four trips. So someone sick, someone dying, and a corpse 
and an aesthetic. Maybe I, I may have mixed up the... Ah, you get it. Um, and this is what uh, spurred his departure, was this encounter. And I have to think that he saw this in himself as well, that saw that this, oh, this is also me. And um, I, I think about this a lot um, in, in my work, in my life, that we are impermanent beings who are of the nature to get sick, to grow old, and to die. And it's one thing to say that, to know that intellectually, um, but it is quite another to, to know that, to feel that, and to remember that we are merely a couple of causes and conditions away from being ourselves sick. And I think this is one of the really scary, um, discomforting things about the pandemic for a lot of people. Um, And I think it is also why it's extraordinarily important that we take care of each other and care for each other. Um, a, there was a, as I was sort of pre- preparing for this talk, um, I found a quote by Norman Fisher, um, that I saved at some point when I was in grad school, I, for, for being, you know, in graduate school, I did a horrible job sometimes keeping track of my own sources when I, I had lots of documents of things that brought me comfort. And so unfortunately I don't remember where this is from. Um, but I will find out if, if you are curious, um, but I'll, I'll read it. In difficult times, the key thing is to turn toward the suffering instead of trying to figure out how to get rid of it or paper it over with all kinds of positive things. We need to learn how to turn toward suffering Really take it in, find the meaning in it, and let it open a path for us to a new life. There's nothing more beneficial than being able to be present with the breath and with the body to what's happening when we are suffering without flailing all around in resistance. That's the beginning of a new path. So I think our, I'm trying to approach now this discomfort in my body as a, as a Dharma gate, as a way to become more familiar with my own suffering, um, which, you know, I think there are ways in which I think I'm aware of my own suffering and ways in which I can, you know, talk a lot about it if, if given the, <laughs> the chance. Um, but I think still that can, there can be resistance there to actually experiencing it or investigating it. And um, I think sometimes it takes these 
really big events in our lives um, to invite us into doing that. So I'd like to um, move now uh, to another phrase um, that has been rattling around in my mind um, since January of this year um, from one of my favorite Rilke poems. And uh, the line goes, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And this, these lines bring me so much comfort and so much guidance. Beauty and terror. Um, I think once we, once I allow myself to feel my suffering, then I also notice there's some joy there. In addition to my knee feeling kind of achy and creaky, um, my breath feels really nice. Uh, part of kind of my, my recovery process um, has involved finding joyful movement rather than movement that is, you know, punitive or boring. Um, and it's been so fun. Singing in the car has been so fun. Um, but I think my own uh, dissociating um, prevented me from feeling that as well. So I think we lose out on the contours of our experience. Um, or at least I do. So I'll read the whole poem um, because a different line from this poem is sticking out to me today. Okay, I'll read it from the beginning. Um, it's from, yeah, it's a poem by Rainier Maria Rilke from the Book of Hours. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. So a lot of these, um, I love this poem so much. And I think a lot of, we could talk about a lot of these stanzas right now, but um, the one that's sticking out to me now is flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. It reminds me of dancing, of moving. It feels like an invitation to be embodied. And in this poem, God asks us to create space for her in our form, in our movement. 
and not to separate from the skin bag. That this is where this happens, where our awakening happens, where our life happens, is um, right here in our in our bodies. So that's what I have from my thoughts. Um, I would love to hear some of yours. Um, I feel like this has been sort of a theme that people have touched on in the last couple of Dharma talks. Um, I think Zaza, I mean, Zazen is a very physical practice. So it makes sense. Um, so thank you for, for listening and thinking with me. And I'd love to hear any thoughts you have or um, experiences or insights you're having anew in, in this body and uh, these times. So thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing with us, with our skin bags. And um, so please uh, share comments, res- responses, reflections. Um, you can just raise your hand. Wade, maybe if you see uh, people raise their hands, you can help me call on people. But um, please feel free. Uh, any comments? And yes, uh, people have been. Uh, this the song of the grass hut has been coming up, and uh, this resonates with what Paul was talking about yesterday. And uh, yeah, it's uh, this is where we're at in this pandemic with our skin bags. So, um, who would like to start off? Uh, yes, uh, Fushin. Thank you, Sarah. Can you hear me? So. When I am sitting and breathing, and when I was sitting with my mother as she was dying, what was a relief was these, it's so breathing and dying and living are not thoughts at all. And, you know, I have thoughts about them, and now I'm reflecting. But when I'm just sitting, the the non-thought or the excess to thought, it's kind of like the shadows that Rilke is speaking of, right? The flame, I don't know, I don't know which is which, really. The flame and the shadow. Anyway, it's just... um, you know, I'm, I tend to be intellectual. I think many of us tend to be pretty intellectual, but Zazen gives us a, a relief from that that mental construct formation. That's a kind of a dance, too. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, David Ray. Sarah, thank you so much for that talk. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so here's a story that, that I want to share with you. So if, uh, maybe it was last week or the week before. I was chatting with somebody that I've chatted with off and on. We were texting, and, and he said, so I'm reading a book about Buddhism. And I said, oh, really? Yeah, he said, I'm doing it because... Um, 
because a friend of mine is going into recovery and he's going to use Buddhism as his higher power. And I said, that's great. And he said, yeah, but you know, um, I hate all spiritual stuff. He said, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's meaning beyond life. And anyway, we're just meat bags. So why would I want to study Buddhism <laughs> or, or any other tradition? And, and I was like, well, uh, that's great. You know, you, uh, let's, let's talk about the book that whatever book you're reading. And, um, but I, but I feel like I also get it because he's somebody like me who you know is queer identified and and he I'm sure that I know that his he got the message from some version of spiritual tradition that his body's not okay the appetites of his body are not okay and that you know and and that therefore in order to have any semblance of life he needs to separate. He needs to separate from the search for meaning because the search, the search for meaning is, is attached to a spirituality that, that condemns him. Um, but I, but so I'm thinking about hatred of the body, you know, people blame it on, some people blame it on, blame it on Christianity. And as a classicist, I can tell you that no, Christianity did not invent hatred of the body. It was, it's a way more old tradition in the West and, and, and other places in the world. But why do you suppose it is? Why? I mean, any thoughts about like why and it's not just western either why why the pervasive um hatred of the body not just dissatisfaction but a kind of revulsion from the body that i'm thinking maybe everybody has felt that at some point i know i have easy easy question Uh, um yeah i mean You know, um, what came to mind is that it's a great scapegoat. Um, And it's very, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of different reasons it becomes the source of such fear and um, and hatred. Um, Some more psychological, others, I think, more philosophical. Um, Yeah, but I think it can be, it also, you know, all this knowledge we have about um, how our emotions and experiences and trauma really lives in our bodies. um, I think it can, I think that can be frightening in some ways. Um, yeah. I don't know. I wish, I wish I had the answer and could fix it for everyone. It's, um, it's not a, it's not a pleasant thing. And I, and I think, yeah. Um, but is one manifestation of, of our deep suffering, I think that can appear in that way. Um, Yeah. But I know lots of people have thought lots of things about it. Deep question. Yes. Yeah. Wade. I know. I know. Part of it. This is not an answer, David. But um, part of it, for me at least, is the sense of resentment mm. towards my body, the fact that I 
have to carry it around with me everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> but the fact that I have to like feed it three times a day and, you know, clean up its messes and, you know, I'm not, I'm not free to do whatever my, my brain wants to do. Um, you know, and, and then that's, that's of course a delusion, right? That these things are separate. Um, and that I could live some life of the mind freed of my body, you know, like, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> But but for for me at least that's part of it. It's like I, 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 I you know even the way I'm talking about it is like I feel yoked to my body as if, as though they were like separate things. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's an explanation. Yeah, that Yate, the the line from Yates fastened to a dying animal. That mm. thought. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it does need a lot. It requires a lot of attention. Yeah, I would love to not have to spend eight hours a night sleeping. There's so many books I want to read. <laughs> right? I would imagine what I could do with that time. Well, I think there's, you know, you brought up a very important point that um, we are, we, there is no separation, um, actually, that we could not live as, as brains floating in the ether. Um, which I think, you know, to connect back to the other question, David, I think often hatred of the body is, is hatred of, of the, the self um, in many ways and kind of an, an acceptance of, of who we are. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm uh, sorry that I missed the first part. My phone went dead and I wound up sitting for like an extra 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes, which was really interesting for me because I've never sat that long before. Um, and I suppose tonight was a time when I really needed to. Uh, I kind of had an altercation with my brother. Mm. My mom is dying mm. and he is up from Florida. And um, so he came in not wanting to wear a mask and unannounced. Uh, he was supposed to not get here until tomorrow afternoon. And uh, we were going to have, you know, kind of a uh, a planned deal. And it, as always, um, the talks are like almost spooky exactly what i need to hear <laughs> i couldn't believe that you mentioned sitting with your as soon as i as soon as i got back online mm. that you mentioned dying, your mom dying and i thought whoa <laughs> this is kind of scary um but um it's been it's been a really awesome awesome seven years of taking care of her and um mm. i've i i wouldn't trade it for the world as far as experiences go in my lifetime i it's comparable to done um she's quite a meditator i'll tell you <laughs> in her um in her way um i i really appreciate you all being here and um i feel uh, that uh i've gotten so much on how to on how to deal with 
with the pandemic and this stuff. You know, I just listened to Paul's uh, talk also and really grabbed that nugget of uh, some people are living in a different reality. And, and I kind of kind of nurtured that today and uh, since hearing it and, uh, you know, found a lot of a lot of forgiveness and I kind of imagined all kinds of things that evidently aren't going to come true now about, you know, loading his car up with stuff and, you know, how I was going to try to make everything right. And, and uh, I just think I'll be here tomorrow morning sitting. <laughs> uh, thank you guys mm. very much. <laughs> Please take care. Remember to breathe. Thank you, Doug. I'll be thinking about you and your mom and your brother. As you said, Sarah, we're all in this, in our own skin bag and in this pandemic situation. It's powerful. Uh, Paul. Uh, hello, Sarah. I just want to say hello. I I haven't I've heard a lot about you now that I've been being hanging out in Chicago and and uh, um, I was very close to your father at Tassahara. We spent a lot of time together discussing our uh, both our physical and emotional states of mind. <laughs> Anyway, we shared a, we shared a number of traumas, um, and uh, I always had a very warm feeling for him. And I'm sorry, very sorry that I've lost lost track of him as as life moved us in different directions. But I'm glad to pick up with uh, with his lovely daughter. So thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Amina, do you have your hand up? Other comments or responses or reflections on being in a skin bag? Mm. Uh, Sarah, can I ask you um, just uh, to share... Uh, your your work is just awesome, you know, being a chaplain now in the time of Corona. Uh, I don't know if you can share, I don't know, just a, an experience or just your feeling about the work you're doing or uh, it's just so important and um, I so much appreciate that you do this. Uh, is there anything about it you might share? Uh, with us. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what is on my heart today um, is how much it is work that helps me be who I want to be. Um, 
in terms of the way that it kind of asks me to bring my full self um, to my relationships with people and how much I learn from other people, how much I learn um, and how healing it is to be in relationship like that. Um, I think, you know, being with, and my, my father died in January and um, I was able to, to be there with him for the last two weeks. And um, it was incredible, Um, really difficult and sad, but I think there is something really, really awesome and precious about um, that transition um, onto the next stage, where whatever that is. Um, so I I feel really lucky to be able to to do this work and um, and yeah, I it, it feels very much like human to human work where I'm not, um, I'm not at all the expert, um, but more like a companion, um, for people, which is just a, a, a nice orientation to others I find. Um, and I guess, yeah, I think I feel really lucky that my orientation to other people in my work gets to be, how do I, how do I love you in the way that you need, um, right now? And I think it's helped me learn a lot and grow a lot. Uh, as a as a human being, um, yeah. But it, but also it's it's very sad and hard. And I actually today was a really hard day, and I had quite a bit of um, yeah heaviness coming into zazen. And it was really nice to see everyone on the screen and be together. Um, so I really I feel very grateful for that as well. So, yeah. Thank you for doing this for all of us. We're all part of this during this time, and there's uh, sadness. And uh, uh, I think we don't we, we we feel it, and we don't we forget that we're feeling it. Yeah. Sometimes you know. You're on the front line, so you know it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's been, what is it, nine months, ten months of this or whatever. I don't know. This count. It feels like years. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing what you're doing for us, for all of us. Well, I, I really, yeah, encourage everyone to take care of themselves. I think the chronicity of it, I think it can hard be hard to remember that. Um, I don't know. I think we get kind of acclimated to it, but are still really hurting a lot. Um, so I encourage. Yeah. And uh, especially it's, uh, please be careful now. Uh Thanksgiving uh, is a time we're used to being together with family, but actually it's uh, it's spiking now. So please be careful. And uh, and I just want to say something Paul mentioned, your dad, and you did. And he, uh, so for those who don't know, Sarah's dad was a and mom were were uh, uh, at Tassahara with me, and uh, 
and with Paul. And uh, so I knew I knew Sarah before she was born. <laughs> so uh, and and her her father was uh, a Zen center priest and a mentor to me and really a great person. So it's so cool that you're here now. Thank you. So um, let's close with the uh, four bodhisattva vows. Uh, if you would put the, that up, wait. And then we'll have announcements.